As I was praying this week and uh, just asking the Lord um, what to share about, I just got the word onwards. And uh, there was this, this gentle, kind nudge from the Lord saying, if we continue onwards, we'll continue moving forwards. And uh, I think that's really important for us as a church in this season and as followers of Jesus, that we keep moving forwards. And uh, right through scripture, we see loads of examples of uh, people who went through challenging times in life, but they kept moving forwards. Job. Job had an awful time. Everything went wrong for Job. Having been in an amazing season of his life, everything went wrong. Uh, he lost his business. His family died. Uh, it was just awful, awful. But in it, he didn't understand what was going on, but what he did know was to keep trusting in the Lord, to keep looking up. And that is what we do when we're in difficult seasons. We keep trusting, we keep moving forwards. Uh, Moses, Moses um, had a really bad start to life. As a baby, chucked in a basket and thrown down the river so he wouldn't be killed by the king. But then he went on to lead uh, the, uh, God's people to the promised land wasn't the best 40 years of his life. They wandered around in circles, but they finally got there. But what he did learn in that season was always to keep looking up when we're in hardship and when we're in need. Paul, what about Paul? Paul's life was a little bit like EastEnders. Drama after drama. Um, he faced trial after trial, prison after prison. In fact, if, um, if there was a round on prisons at the Soul Survivor Big Fat quiz in a couple of weeks' time. Paul would win it because he had spent quite a lot of time in a number of prisons. Um, he lost his freedom. He suffered in so many ways, but he kept focusing on Jesus. And actually, it would have been a lot easier for Paul to have stayed at home, but he didn't. He kept jumping in boats that sank, and he kept going to places where they wanted to kill him. He knew what he was for, and he kept going. He kept moving forwards. And that's what we're going to do we're going to continue chasing after what Jesus has called us to as a church. And um, as Nicola said um, just a few moments ago, 250 of us gathered in here on Wednesday night, and it was the most extraordinary um, evening in many ways. I can't remember see, like hearing people sing as loud as we sang on Wednesday night. Um, but in that moment, we acknowledged the difficulties but what we did is we kept looking up with hope and expectation of all that God still has for us and in us and through us as a church here in Watford. And uh, we're going to pray more. That's going to be a feature. So the 27th, do come along if you can, if you can be there. We're going to pray in this season and continue to seek his face and continue to look up. And so today I want us to, just to remind us again of our calling as a church. And it's simple. It remains the same. Firstly, we're going to love God. We are always going to choose to put him front and center of all we do. We're going to put worship at the center of our life as a church. Secondly, we're going to love each other. We want to be a community who love well, who love one another well, and who are known for our love for one another, and that will draw people in. And thirdly, and that's what I want to focus on today, we are called to love those around us, those outside our doors. We want to be people who love extravagantly, who are passionate about sharing what we have with others, who love the last, the lost, the least, those who are suffering, those who have challenges, 
that's what we're called to do as a church. And um, just two or three weeks ago, we had nearly 100 people come through our cafe doors and collect food boxes. Uh, Each of those people, each of those families, a story. We don't know all the stories, but each of those people have need. And we were there to love them and support them. That's what we're called to do. The cafe, each week on a Monday, different people come through our doors, all with different stories, all coming with different needs. Um, And we want to do more of that. We want doors that are wide open to our community. And so we're going to open the cafe more. And I know we've been talking about this for a long time. We're going to do it. So over the summer, the cafe's going to open uh, more days in the week and on Saturdays. um, And that's going to be a feature of our life as a church going forward, that this would be a place that anyone and everyone can come into and is welcome, is known, and loved. Our calling hasn't changed. And what's amazing in all of this is Jesus invites us. He invites all of you to take part. He's invited us into this mission. And yes, it's a roller coaster at the moment. It's been bumpy. It might get bumpier. But what we will do is we will continue to look up to him who is the one who loves us. We're not going to get distracted from the path. We've got the map. We're going to keep following the map. And we've got the compass, which keeps us pointed to Jesus. We're going to keep going. And so today I want to look at a passage from Ephesians and specifically um, a prayer that Paul prayed for followers of Jesus um, and for the church. And then hopefully we'll draw out three points from this passage, which I hope we can grasp today. So Ephesians 3, 14 onwards. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. That's a scripture, isn't it? Love that. Um, Back in February, uh, we went to Go Ape with our friends um, Ian and Prue at Wendover Woods. Anyone done Go Ape before? Few of you. Now, this is not for uh, for those that like um, heights. If you don't like heights, Go Ape is not for you. But essentially, you climb up a bunch of trees, you hang out there for three hours, 25 meters above the ground, um, and this is what the website says about Go Ape. Uh, It says this, Go Ape is a real mecca for thrill seekers who love canopy high, tree-to-tree crossings, free full Tarzan swings, and riding super fast, very long zips. This is grown-up fun in the great outdoors. Well, I can assure you on that winter's morning, back in February as I woke up, I did not want to go to a tree mecca. Um, nor did I describe myself as a thrill seeker who wished 
to do canopy high, tree-to-tree crossings over wires, wobbly bridges, and I did not wake up that day wanting to be Tarzan swinging through trees or Tom Cruise on zip wires that were 425 meters long. That was not how I woke up. And unfortunately, I read the small print, and my age, my height, and my weight did not disqualify me. So there was, there was no way I was getting out of it. And to top it all off, my 13-year-old Rosie was like, Dad, get up the tree. So um, well, I had to go. And um, I, what made it worse was, I don't know if you've done it, you, you, you clipped on with this pathetic little um, harness thing. And you think, that, that, that thing is meant to stop me from dying. Well, apparently, yes. And um, all the way around, you have to clip yourself on to these wires. And then at certain points, you have to unclip yourself to get onto the next thing. I mean, the fear of the Lord was in me as I unclipped myself. I was literally clinging to the trees whilst trying to clip back on so I didn't die. But anyway, and every time I looked down, 25 meters below me, I thought, it's over, I'm going to die. But while I was up there, I started to realize looking down was not helpful for my condition at that moment in time. So I just chose to look up, and I looked at the trees, I looked at the sky, And actually, it felt so much better when I kind of just looked up and didn't look at the ground because I began to forget that the ground was below me, apart from when I had to unclip myself and go around trees and stuff. But I chose uh, to look up. And that's the first point I want to make this morning. Look up. Look up. Paul begins this prayer by saying, for this reason. Now, he doesn't say what the reason is in the prayer, so you have to flip back a few pages in Ephesians to find out. But in chapter one of Ephesians, we find out that if we tilt our heads up, if we look up, we find the one who is wealthy with everything we need. He says that when we look up, we see our Father who has given us everything, everything we need. And then he goes on to say what is true about those who are in Jesus that we are chosen, we're holy, we're blameless, we're loved, we're adopted, we're a child of God, we're redeemed by his blood, we're forgiven with all the riches of his grace. And what did he do with that grace? He lavished it on us. He smothered us in his love and his grace. So look up. Don't look down. Look up. And it doesn't work to look elsewhere. It doesn't work to rely on others to keep us going in tough times. If you're looking to others for affirmation, they will let you down. We won't be sustained. If we look to our jobs or our status, whatever it might be, those things won't sustain us. We have to look up. Paul is saying here, look up, because everything we need is found in Jesus. And then we might be thinking, well, how is all this possible? Chapter 2 Paul goes on and he says, we were once dead in our sins, far away from a holy and perfect God. And he came to me, he came to you, and he generously gave all of himself for us. And then he rose that if we might put our faith and our trust in him, if we do that, then everything that's true of him becomes true of us. Because we become found in him. That's pretty good news, isn't it? We were once dead in our sins, but we've been made alive in Christ. And all through these passages, we keep seeing the same phrase come up again and again. He's in you. We're in him. He's in 
you. And he's basically saying, if he's in us and when, uh, if he's in us and we're in him, then live like it's true. Because it's already true of you. So live like it's true. I think in this prayer, though, Paul realizes that the only way we're going to grasp this, though, the only way uh, God is going to change our hearts that we might fathom and grasp all that we have in him and all that we've received is to kneel. And so Paul desperately gets on his knees and he prays that we might look up. And that's what we did here on Wednesday night. That's what we've done here this morning. We've looked up. And what's amazing about this prayer is Paul writes it from prison. He's got his own stuff going on. He's got troubles like nobody else's troubles. Um, but he never once asks for God to change his circumstance. He doesn't ask to be released from prison. He just says, God, give me more endurance. God, I want to know you more in needing you more. So he kneels and he looks up. And what does he pray? He prays this. I pray that out of his glorious riches, and I love this, Paul is absolutely sure that God is wealthy with everything we need. And he has no doubt that he will answer this prayer because he then says that he may strengthen you with power of the Spirit in your inner being. And this isn't about more power so we can do more stuff. This isn't about more power so we can be busier. Listen to what Paul says. He says, so that you would have power to be strengthened in your inner being so Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then he goes on, I pray that you being rooted and established in what? Not our jobs, not our relationships, not our good looks, but in love. That you may have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul makes it really clear here why he's praying this prayer. He's praying that you would know how loved you already are. When um, Rosie, who likes to send me up trees, trying to kill me, was about two or three, um, she used to come up to our bedroom um, every night. This went on for years. But every night she'd come up and um, she would often scream Often she would, often there would be other times where she would just stand in silence next to the bed, just looking up until we realized that there was a presence in the room next to us. And um, Claire would often ask me to take her back down to bed, which I would do, and she would scream all the more. So um, I feel at 2 a.m. In the, in, the, in the morning, I'm far more welcoming than my wife is. So, um, so Rosie would come up, she would stand there, and she would look up, and I would literally just open the duvet, she would hop up, snuggle in, and she would go back to sleep. Without knowing why, she knew she was safe and secure, and she went back to sleep soundly. And uh, that's what Paul's getting at here. He's saying in the midst of life's busyness, in the midst of life's troubles, he wants you to look up and to know how loved you already are, to know that you're secure in the knowledge that he loves you. And then he goes on to tell us that the byproduct of being love is that we might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I don't know if you remember your own 
sports days at junior school or infant school, or maybe you've taken your own kids or you've, um, you've gone with some other kids. Um, hopefully, you know, don't go with random kids. That would be wrong. Um, but uh, if you've ever been to sports day, there is a, a race or a sport, if you can call it a sport, um, where you pop a cup on your head um, and there's a bucket at the start of the race and there's a bucket at the end of the race and uh, you fill a little bit of water in your cup and you pop it on your head and, and you run to the end and then you've got to tip the water out into the bucket at the other end. Well, if you've watched the kids running this, you will notice that they basically spill most of the water before they get to the other end of the race and drop it into the bucket. And uh, life's a little bit like that. We run around spilling ourselves all over the place, emptying our cups, worrying about work, running the kids to school, worrying about people's opinions of us, worrying about money, worrying about the state of our world. And it's sometimes like we go through life with this tiny cup that has a pathetic amount of water in it. And the only source of the water we go to is this little bucket at the start of the race. When actually what God wants to give us is a big, fat bucket. And what he wants to do with us is to stand us almost like under the Niagara Falls where this torrent, raging torrent of water and life just keeps pouring on us and filling our buckets to overwhelming when we're full of him, we become more like him. So not only do we look upwards, what he does is he fills us inwards. He fills us inwards and he prays for our inner being. But before he prays, he prays for us to act right. He prays because he also knows that he can't change us. That's our choice. Um, I would love it if I had a superpower when it came to my children that I would just say, guys, don't ever leave your bags and shoes by the front door ever again. Uh, please don't ever, ever not tidy your rooms. And the one that really annoys me is, please, 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 for the love of everything, stop leaving toothpaste in the sink. Rinse it away. I would love it if I could just say that, and it happened. But I don't have a superpower, and I have to keep nagging every day. We don't just change because we're told to change. We change through prayer. And that's why prayer is so important. It changes things. That's why Paul is praying this prayer. Jesus is the one who changes us. He's the one who transforms our identities. And, that, and it's our identities that fuel us outward. Imagine you're an onion. Just go with me for a moment. Imagine you're an onion. And the outside is what people see about you. Maybe the way you look, the clothes you wear, your hairstyle, the car you drive, things like that. And then you peel away a layer and you begin to reach things that are slightly more important about you. It might be your job, your personality, the way you spend your time. And then you peel down another layer and that might be uh, your family, your spouse, your parents, the way you were raised. And then you go down another layer and that might be things that others don't know about you, maybe worries, maybe secrets, maybe sins, and you keep peeling down and down and down and down until you get to the very core, the very heart of who you are. And that's what Paul means in this passage. The core. 
the truest thing about you when everything else is peeled back. Paul is praying that the truest thing about you is Christ in you. There may be loads of things about us, which is great. I know a lot of you. There are loads of things about many of you which are great. But it really doesn't matter what I think. The truest thing that he wants you to know is that you are holy. You're blameless. You're forgiven. You're secure. You're loved. Because when we are secure... When we know we, love, we are loved, we act differently and we act confidently. And Paul is desperately praying that we know that we're loved because when we know we are loved, it frees us to live how he intended us to live. And uh, I long for each of us to know that, that when we walk out of these doors, we are confident in who we are because we know whose we are. A few Christmases ago, I went to B&Q to buy some light bulbs, and uh, it's a very long, well, it used to be a very long aisle in B&Q, but it's a lot shorter now, um, and uh, there was a member of staff there helping a customer, and he was kneeling, and um, he was next to me, and he stood up, and he shrieked out in pain, so I thought I'd be polite and British, Are you okay, mate, hoping that he would be polite and British and say, yes, I'm fine. Unfortunately, he said, no, I'm not. And then proceeded to tell me that he'd first shift back at work, he'd been off work for months with back pain, arthritis, uh, pancreatic problems, and uh, we had a quite a long conversation. And then I just had this little prompt, pray for him. And I said, Lord, no, we're in B&Q. We do not pray in B&Q. And uh, we argued back and forth. And in the end, I said, okay, I will pray. So I, I said, um, hey, what's your, what's your name? And he said, Phil. And I said, oh, hello, Phil, nice to meet you. Although you've already told me everything that's wrong with you. But I said, Phil, I'm a Christian and um, I believe in the power of prayer. Could I pray for you? Phil looked at me and said, no, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Um, and, um, <laughs> um, and I thought, fair enough, my pride was a little bit dented in that moment. Uh, but it was only when I was kind of just reflecting this week on that encounter again. You know, I realized that in that moment, my fear... Um, about stepping out and asking Phil if I could pray with him was more around what others thought of me, what he might think of me, rather than anything else. I nearly missed an opportunity. Even though Phil said no, I nearly missed an opportunity. How often do we go through life and we get those little nudges and we miss opportunities? Those little nudges to maybe pray for someone at work, maybe send someone a text those little nudges, you just think, oh, that's a bit weird. I don't know why I'm thinking that. Those nudges are Christ in you. That's him. That's him. Don't miss out on the opportunity of joining in with him when he gives you a little nudge. Now, I'm not telling you that story today to make you think, oh, isn't John great? I'm a bit ashamed, but that story is from a few years back. I've had lots of nudges since when I've not stepped out and I've not done it. So this is something that I want to grow in, a longing to share what I have with others, a longing to be more secure in knowing Christ in me, that I would step out more. I want to grow in confidence. I want to be a willing participant in how God wants to use my life. 
because God's plan to change our community, our workplaces, our schools, wherever we go, is sitting in this room. It's you and me, guys. It's you and me. That's his plan. And when I look around, I think, how are you going to do that, Lord? But it's true. It is. It's you and me. It's Soul Survivor Watford. It's the church. That's how we're going to see our workplace, our town, our nation changed, is if we go with the nudges of Christ in me. And Paul is praying that we would be changed. So how do we change? How do we actually grow in becoming more like Jesus? Um, We've talked a lot about um, Gentle and Lowly, a book written by Dane Ortland um, in this church for a long time. But there's another book that he's written called Deeper. And uh, in it, he outlines four ways in which Christians believe they grow. The first are errors, the the first three are mistakes, and the fourth is the truth of how the Bible says we grow. And the first mistake we tend to make is that when we, think, when we think about how we grow and become more like Jesus, is it's all about God, then me. This is where we believe that it is God who does everything to save us, and then the rest is up to us. And we have to work really hard at changing and becoming more like him. And I lived for years believing that I needed to have a longer quiet time, I needed to read my Bible more in order to become more like him. Now, all of those things are really important. Don't get me wrong. But actually, it's not about our effort. It's not about what we do that makes us change and become more like him. We don't have to earn his love. He gives it to us. The second mistake we can make is it's, it's God, not me. And this is essentially the polar opposite of point one. And that is, he saved me so he can change me. I'm going to sit back and relax and do nothing. And uh, essentially, this is a let go and let God approach. And if we, if we do this, we won't grow either. And then the third mistake we can make is believing it's God and me. Now, this one gets a little bit closer to the truth of how we grow, because the idea here is it's God and me. We become partners. We hang out together. We collaborate together. And, you know, it's okay. But, but again, we're not going to grow if we go with that approach. Because what Paul's getting at here in this prayer is this mind blowing truth in how we grow and how we draw closer to Jesus. Do we partner with him? Absolutely we do. Does God do it? Yes, he does. Do we do it? Yes, we do. But here's how it's worked. The truest way in which we grow is God in me. Just like the onion, right to the core of who you are, God in you. And this gives us hope because we can relax a bit. We can feel empowered that he wants to use us because it's all God and it's all me all of the time. Jonathan Edwards puts it like this. We're not merely merely passive in it, nor yet does God do some and we do the rest, half and half. But God does all And we do all. It's a partnership. It's a union. He unites us spiritually to the Son. We are in all respects wholly passive and wholly active. Because what is true about Jesus and what is true about us is the same to the core of who we are, of who you are. And all we need to do 
is to allow that truth to flow outwards from the core of who we are. So when we're feeling anxious or worried, allow the truth of God in you to seep up from the core of who you are, through the pockets of who you are. Allow his truth to seep up because God's not worried about a thing. The things that you're worried about, the stresses that you're worried about, he's not worried. So we can rest in that truth. Allow the truth of who he is to seep up. And this is such good news. It's so releasing for us. So how do we grow? Well, he's doing it already. Christ in us, our hope, our glory. And when we open ourselves up to him, we get to participate in what he's already doing. And he just invites us to join in. And the result of all of this is that we might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So look up, so we might be filled inwards, resulting in the third and last point, an overflow outwards. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. You see that? Who is able to do it? He is. And look at how he does it. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work where? In us. In us. Now let's listen to that whole prayer again in the light of God in me. I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may live there and dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Paul is praying desperately Desperately, that the love of Christ would literally flood and overwhelm every single part of your being, every part of your identity. His love would overwhelm our personalities. His love would overwhelm the things that we keep hidden, the things that we worry about. His love would flood into our leisure time when we're at the gym, when we're at work, at school at the post office, when we're out with friends, the places we go, his love would flow out that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. There's a story I heard this week about um, a lady in our church. Uh, she was at the 915, Ella uh, and Ovi, part of the church. Ella serves on hospitality, and Ovi um, each week comes and collects all the food that is given, and he takes it to the food bank. And um, I don't know, if, you, if you've met Ella, um, she just beams. If you know Ella, she beams. She's just got the most amazing smile. But apparently she was in the post office this week. I don't know if you've hung out in the post office recently. It's pretty depressing. Anyone else had a good time in the post office recently? No. So, 
Oh, you've got a good post office. Where's yours? We'll all go there, because mine's dreadful. Lovely. Anyway, um, Ella was in the queue and um, standing in the post office, and this person just came up to Ella and just said, you're a Christian, aren't you? And Ella went, yes. Um, you know, why? And, and they said, I can just see it in your smile. I can see it in you. And do you know what that is? That's Christ in Ella. Christ in Ella, in the post office, doing whatever she was doing in the post office. His love was pouring out. Final question before I end. What is the immeasurably more? And I said at the beginning, our purpose as a church hasn't changed and won't change. Our purpose as followers of Jesus is the same and we're gonna continue to look up, love one another and look out. We are called to be his light in the darkness. We're called to love the world which hurts. We're called to be carriers of his hope, his peace, his joy and his love. And it's you and me, the hands and feet of Jesus. And the Jesus I know and the Jesus I read about in the Bible feeds the hungry, clothes the naked, rescues the lost. And he loves abundantly without measure. The immeasurably more is this world being full of the glory of the Lord. The immeasurably more is Watford being full of the glory of the Lord. He does immeasurably more through us as he becomes more in us. He does it. So my prayer today is that we would see how filled we already are and then overflow with his love, his generosity out there because he's been so generous and loving to us. So look up, be filled, overflow out there. Amen.